Hi, folks, and welcome to the Empowering Dietitians podcast, where each week I explore a different topic to help you feel more confident and connected to your work as a dietitian. I'm your host, Jess Sertikoff Ramola, a registered dietitian, dietitian supervisor, and owner of Empowering Dietitians, where I help burnt out and unhappy dietitians opt out of hustle culture and reclaim their passion and purpose as a human first and dietitian second. After all, we are all more than a dietitian. This episode is brought to you by my self-study course, Abundance, officially approved for 24 CEUs by CDR, including satisfying your ethics requirement. This self-paced course walks you through the eight tenets of creating a life for yourself as a dietitian and a human outside the confines of hustle culture, learning how to navigate or prevent burnout, manage your time more effectively, set better boundaries, cultivate a strong personal and professional identity, and more. With over 13 hours of video content, bonus modules on mindfulness and intention setting, and a comprehensive journal full of reflection exercises, bonus resources, and activities to apply what you learn in the course. Each module is broken down into bite-sized lessons so you won't get overwhelmed and you can easily pace your work without burning out. Early bird registration is open until May 15th with a savings of $90 off the regular enrollment price. All doors close June 7th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern. Learn more and enroll at www.empoweringdietitians.com abundance. All right, now on to the episode. In this episode, I'm talking about my recent decision to drop my prices temporarily. I share all of the inner criticisms that came up during the process, how this decision contradicts a lot of widespread business advice, and the three big reasons I decided to do it anyway. I also end with reflection questions for you to ponder about your own relationship with money, whether you're an entrepreneur or work for someone else, as well as some affirmations to hold close when differentiating between your worth and what you earn or do for a living. Remember, there is no right way to do this life thing. We're all stumbling around grasping at straws at best, learning from past decisions, and hoping that our next ones feel more aligned. So I did a thing. I did a thing that I've never done before and that business coaches all over seem to frown upon. And I feel really good about it. I lowered my prices on pretty much everything across the board. And now I want to talk about it. I, I want to talk about all of the little gremlins in my head that surfaced when I was considering this decision. I want to talk about that infamous phrase, charge what you're worth, and how I really feel about it. And I want to talk about how I feel reflecting on past marketing tactics that I've used, how I used to justify them, and what I hope to do differently moving forward. I want to talk about ways that you can think more critically, more compassionately, more 
alignedly (laughs) about your own relationship with money, either what you charge as a business owner or how you're compensated for your work in general. First, let's talk about the elephant in the room because she's big and she's loud and there is no getting around it. I am that person who has marketed past launches, not even just past launches in general, but literally my last launch as quote unquote, this is the last time I'm offering blank at this price. It's going up next round. And here I am not only not increasing my prices for this launch that I'm in currently, but actually decreasing them instead. Foot, meat mouth. Honestly, one of the reasons I almost didn't lower my prices was because of that. My inner critic kept saying, what a hypocrite. How disingenuous of you. People will see this contradiction and they will think you are the sleaziest of sleazy salespeople using scarcity tactics and lying about pricing. And you have the audacity to call your course abundance. What a fraud. (laughs) There is a part of me who definitely knows how to hurt my own feelings, right? I haven't spent as much time with her as I'd like to, as I plan to. But I have my suspicions that this part of me, uh, her alter ego is perfectionism. Or if not her alter ego, then her sister or like total BFF. I was scared to lower my prices. I was so scared what people would think, what you would think. What would this communicate about the value of my services? And again, what would you think of me for lowering them after telling you last launch the very opposite? On top of that, most coaches are against lowering prices. You hear things like, if someone isn't buying, it isn't the price, it's the perceived value. You have to make them want it and then they'll pay anything. And you hear People don't value lower cost services and products. When you charge less, they assume they're getting a lower quality experience or item. They assume there is something wrong with it. And the ever popular, charge what you're worth. How many of you listening have heard, maybe even been told directly, any of these or similar statements? Maybe you've spoken these or similar words yourself. I've definitely heard phrases like these time and time again. And I thought long and hard about changing my prices. I thought about all of these things and more before making my decision. One thing that I noticed, though, was that every time I questioned lowering my prices, it was fear that held me back. Funny, because I know so many dietitians are afraid to raise their prices, but it was truly fear that was preventing me from lowering them. Fear, as I mentioned, of what you would think of me. Fear of what coaches or what other supervisors would think. Fear that I couldn't possibly know better than all of those coaches, that they must be right that I was going to change my prices and it would somehow make everything even worse. 
except I don't make decisions out of fear as a principle. I'd say that I never do it, but that's a strong statement. I certainly aim not to. I'm not perfect. I do consider my fears when making decisions. I give the scared part of me space to express itself. And I consider what it's so afraid of, right? I hold space for that fear. But if I make a decision that the scared part of me wants to make, it's not because of the fear itself. It's usually because I have decided that it's valid, that that is in fact the aligned choice to make. And at that point, fear stops being the driving factor. Alignment steps in. Assuredness steps in. Long story short, being afraid to lower my prices was not reason enough not to. I also didn't choose to lower my prices because I stopped believing in the work that I do. I didn't look at my services and go, you know what? I actually don't think it's worth this much. I think I'm overcharging. I know that I make a difference in dietitians' lives. I know that I'm good at what I do. And I know that the products that I create, the courses, the masterclasses, the tangible products, I know how much value is packed into them. I know that in part because I'm one of the most thorough people you will ever meet. I'd be willing to bet. So no, this decision wasn't coming from a space of lack of confidence, really. So then why did I? Why did I go against what so many coaches advise and lower my prices? Three reasons. First, honestly, I have very little left to lose. Actually, reasons one and two are closely related. We'll, we'll get to two in a second. But one, I have a very, very little left to lose. I'm going to disclose some numbers here as a disclaimer, and I do it to normalize talking about numbers. Um, but remember, everybody's circumstances are different. What I might view as a lot of money, others might not, and vice versa. What one person might consider full-time, another might consider part-time. It's all relative. So all of that to say, if you aren't feeling in a place to hear how much money my business has brought in over the years, skip ahead about 45 seconds. Ready? Okay. These numbers, by the way, are gross earnings. How much total revenue my business brought in, not how much profit I made or how much I paid myself. In 2019, I launched my business and earned... I don't know, like $2,000, a few thousand. I had one client. In 2020, I was still working full-time as a supermarket dietitian and part-time in my business, and my business brought in $14,000 that year. In 2021, I went full-time in my business and brought in $45,000. Then in 2022, still full-time in my business, I only brought in $25,000. And this year... I am so far poised to earn even less than that if things keep trending the way that Q1 did. So yeah, I don't have much left to lose. And business is all about experimenting. Yes, in science, we don't blindly charge into an expensive research study, right? We review the research, the existing research. We come up with a plausible hypothesis. But then we still have to take a chance and test it. Business is actually no different. 
We can reference what has worked in the past. We can consider what's working well with others currently. But ultimately, if things aren't working, we may simply need to try something and see how it goes. And there are a few things that I can try. Lowering prices is one of them. Which leads me to reason number two for lowering them. It doesn't matter how much something is worth if no one is buying it. I'm going to get a little millennial on you. <laughs> but you know how, uh, I don't I don't know, if you're a fellow millennial, do you know how we used to get really excited about like beanie babies that are in pristine condition? And now I think like rare Pokemon cards are making a comeback. Whatever the collectible item we find in like our parents' basement from our childhood and we look it up on eBay and we see a listing for like $10,000. Is eBay still a thing? I'm assuming it is. I haven't actually looked. I might be really dating myself with this anecdote. (laughs) But we get so excited. We're like, oh my God, this thing that I paid 20 cents for, I don't know, a few bucks for, is worth $10,000. Well, remember, maybe it's worth $10,000. But if no one's bidding on it, it might as well be worth 10 cents. It doesn't matter if my course abundance is worth $997, which was how I originally calculated it. It is. Breaking down what you get, the number of CEUs, lifetime access, my experience with the subject, I fully stand by that original price as being reasonable. But if no one is buying it, then I'm still making $0. It doesn't help me put food on the table at a price point of $997, if no one's buying it. Now, to be fair, I don't think that lowering prices always works, and it may not work this time. Remember, this is an experiment. I can list out plenty of confounding variables that may be impacting sales that are not price-driven, and trust me, I'm working on those in the background too. Maybe it's not the most controlled research experiment, (laughs) but Those pivots, the ones that I'm working on in the background, those adjustments are going to take time. And if lowering the prices of my products and services, at least temporarily, can incentivize some people who were previously on the fence, that can help put food on my table. That can help me immediately. And I say that I'm using the phrase put food on my table. I'm I'm not actually experiencing food insecurity. Um, I feel like that's an important disclaimer that I didn't put in my outline or script. Um, but you know, it it directly helps me make ends meet is probably a better way of phrasing it. Um, and that's what's important right now. And again, if it's something that can get my business moving again. It can buy me some time while I work on some of the more foundational pieces that will keep it sustainable long-term. Which leads me into reason number three. Times are really hard right now. I'm living it. I'm sure you're living it too. And I'm very fortunate to have a partner whose income paired with you know, what we're saving, living with my in-laws right now, is enough to keep us stable. Like I said, we're not experiencing food insecurity. We are not on the brink of houselessness unless you count living with my in-laws as houselessness, but we have a roof over our heads and we're not at risk of losing that. So we're very fortunate and we still feel it. 
I went to buy a new bag of dog food for Toby last week, and it was $10 more than it was two months ago, the last time I bought it. My groceries are averaging about 20% higher right now. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here, right? I know you're seeing this too, and I know it's all a lot of people are talking about. And I, I put it in here to say, like, I get it. And there are so many wonderful, amazing programs and services that I would love to invest in. So much that I want to do with my money that I just can't right now. Every dollar counts in my business and in my life at the moment, and certain investments have to wait. This is where I call bullshit on the phrase that coaches throw around that if someone really wants something badly enough, they'll find a way to pay. There are plenty of things that I want really fucking badly, but I know my budget inside and out, and right now, it's either not feasible or it's not smart. And I refuse to shame someone or tell someone that they just don't want it badly enough if in reality they're paycheck to paycheck struggling to make ends meet and prioritizing their basic needs over something that they really want. Sometimes, sure, it's a matter of wanting it badly enough. But sometimes it's a matter of the numbers just don't add up, period. And I deeply respect that. I know that there are some of you listening who feel that way about empowering dietitians, that you may very much want to enroll in one of my programs or supervision or offerings, but it's just flat out hard right now. And maybe I can't lower my prices enough to make it fit into your budget right now, but maybe I can. If lowering my prices can make support more accessible to you right now when things are so hard, then I can do it. Because again, it doesn't matter how much I think my services are worth. They aren't paying the bills if no one's buying them, and I'm not helping anyone if I'm not reaching them. And I crunched numbers. Trust me, I crunched so many numbers. And basically figured out that I can cut almost all of my prices by half and still earn more than I did last year without burning out. If the price cut brings in more people. Now, I can't guarantee that it will bring in more people, as I mentioned. And also, I can't sustain that forever, even if it does, because the amount that I made last year is not exactly a number that I feel comfortable with long-term, particularly living in good old New Jersey with its notoriously high cost of living. So I can't keep my prices here forever without burning out, um, but I can keep them here for now. And that's something that I've really been working on this year, that phrase, for now. Things don't have to be exactly where I want them to be. They don't have to be perfect. And it doesn't have to be something that I think is going to work forever and ever. And honestly, with the state of the world and how uncertain everything is, trying to find something that works perfectly that is going to be good forever and ever, that feels overwhelming anyway. So I'm looking more short-term than that. And for now, for the year 2023, or let's just say for at least spring, summer of 2023, I can afford to cut prices. And if that helps you access what I offer, then I will gladly do it. I chose to lower my prices because I could. 
because the world around us is a fucking dumpster fire and because I don't want to respond the way that the rest of the world is to this economic crisis by jacking up prices even higher and taking advantage of high inflation. I don't want supervision to be something that only the top 1% or 10% or even 25% of dietitians can afford. And when it comes to what the world will think of me for doing all of this, that's out of my control. Now, if I could go back and take back what I said in the past about buy this now because the price is going up, I would. It's one of those scarcity tactics that I convinced myself wasn't scarcity driven because it was true, right? I did plan to raise prices. Except now what I understand is that I can't predict what my next launch will be. I can have every intention of raising prices and then the world can hand me this hand of cards, for lack of a better phrase, and I can change my mind. So sitting here in this moment, I can't know what will happen next launch. And again, if the past year has taught me anything, it's that I can't really predict the future at all. And that's what feels icky about it to me now. I let myself get sucked into scarcity marketing by trying to convince myself that it was aligned with my values. But it wasn't. And I can't take back how I marketed before. I also can't promise that I won't get sucked into scarcity marketing or hustle culture again in the future. I'm sure that I will. It's a sneaky, sneaky little thing. But uh, I can take ownership for that shit when it does happen. That's what you can count on me for. I will always be here to say, you know what? I was wrong. I know better now. And I'm going to do it differently next time. That's all we can ever do is to try to act in alignment with our values. Try to reflect and make the best, most informed, most compassionate decisions. And then stand up when we get it wrong and say, hey, I fucked up. I'm not going to do that icky thing again. Because we can't get it perfect every time. Sometimes you have to go through it to understand how you're going to feel about it. And remember, that doesn't mean charge blindly ahead. I didn't lower my prices blindly. Reflect first. Think it through. Just know that no amount of analysis and research and planning can ensure that you will get it perfect. So when it comes to reflecting on money as a dietitian, I want to leave you with a few questions to sit with. You can pause the podcast as I say them and think about them now, or you can return to them later in your day or week and think about them in more depth. Number one, in what ways might your decisions around money be rooted in fear? What other emotions do you feel when you think about money, compensation, and your earnings as a dietitian? Can you hold space for those emotions even if they aren't pleasant or comfortable? Number two, how do you want to feel when it comes to money? And how might you be able to cultivate that even if you can't change your financial circumstances? And lastly, three, how is your life measured? 
Now, I don't believe in measuring worth at all. I'm worthy whether I volunteer my time or charge $500 a minute for it. I'm worthy whether I have a job or not, whether my business shuts down in a year or becomes a thriving success. I'm worthy whether I work part-time or full-time and I could go on. Worth is an inherent part of our humanity, period. The same is true for you. There is no charging what you're worth because your worth is not a dollar value. And one human being is not more or less worthy than the next. So instead of talking about how we can measure our worth by our compensation, can we measure our lives? What different magical moments and relationships add up to your beautiful, complicated, messy life? Maybe measured doesn't resonate with you at all. Maybe it's simply a reflection on what you're grateful for, what fills your cup up rather than what fills your bank account up. Your life cannot be distilled down to the lines of a checkbook. Your worth is something intrinsic within you, not something you prove or earn. And nobody gets to decide what's right for you and your life except you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Empowering Dietitians podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, there are two things you can do that dramatically help support the show. First, leave a quick rating and or review of the show on your podcast listening app, particularly Apple Music. This helps new listeners find the show. Second, sharing this episode with a dietitian friend can also go a long way in helping us spread the Empowering Dietitians message far and wide. And speaking of supporting one another, please don't be a stranger if you find yourself in need of that supportive space yourself. There are a number of ways to work with me from one-on-one supervision packages to my course abundance and periodic standalone masterclasses and workshops. The best way to stay up to date on which of those services and offerings are available at any given time? Grab my free dietitian journal to sign yourself up for my email list at www.empoweringdietitians.com slash free. That's www.empoweringdietitians.com slash F-R-E-E. Thank you.